We can speak now. Oh hell yeah. Oh hell yeah. She <laughs> Okay. Is, is, is that the start? I think that's it. That's wrap it, it up. Thank okay. you for coming. Oh this my god. Episode 29. Intro us. Coming to you live, but actually recorded at least three days ago, from everyone's favourite coronavirus capital of Australia, it's the Fuck Me Dead Podcast Fun Time Hour Show! <laughs> the podcast that brings you the stories from Australia and his buddies that just make you say, fuck me dead. I'm CJ. That was quite an intro. Oh, I'm Amanda also. <laughs> That's just a side note. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. You got nothing? Nothing's fucking happening. <laughs> we live in lockdown. Shock. We lived in lockdown last week. and That's it, you know, like... I got nothing. What happened this week? Nothing. <laughs> it, that, that's it? That's all you got? That's it. Nothing, nothing, nothing happening nothing now. Nothing happening? Like, like, there's stuff happening, but not really anything to us personally. Well, I mean, what is happening? Oh, there's lots of happening in the world. You know, you've got that tower that's just been locked down here in, in Victoria, sorry, Melbourne. Uh, yeah. We've got neighboring suburbs and shit being locked down and tons of coronavirus cases coming out, which I think a lot of it has to also do with the amount of testing that's happening in the hotspots, which is good. Yeah, um, I, I do agree. I feel like there's a correlation there between the amount of testing with the amount of results we're getting. I'm not sure that, you know, how, like a lot of people are saying that's like the second wave, maybe the second wave of testing, because mm. I'm not sure that things have increased. It's just that we're finding it. I'm yeah, not sure. I, I, so. I'm not sure. Especially because how many of those people were asymptomatic? Yeah. And I guess this is why, you know, everyone's pushing for masks now. Is because, you know, you could be walking around, have it, not have any symptoms, but still spreading it. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense to me. I think that we should get some. I'm happy so do to I. do that. I feel bad whenever I live now and don't have a mask. Uh, the problem, though, with if we do go down the mask route, which we probably should, I'll probably have to shave my beard off. Oh, no. They won't fit on my face. Oh. So. That's sad. Um, yeah, I might have to break my promise of not shaving my beard until I graduate or get terminated. <sighs> That is sad. Although I should find out in the next month or so, so maybe I'll just hold out a little bit longer. Because mm. then if I get terminated, <laughs> I did it. Yeah. Surely people with beards wear masks. No, a lot of them shave it off to make it fit better. Oh. Well, that's quite sad. Mm. But I mean, you know, guess it always grows back. That's it. At the end of the day, it's very selfish for me to say, no, no. Yeah. Gotta keep a long beard instead of public health. So The whole masks thing in Australia is quite weird. Because you have the government on one hand telling you to not wear them. Are they? Yeah, no. They're te- they're telling that like people like average Australians to not waste masks by wearing them. Let that sink in. Is this because Scott Morrison believes you'll only get the virus if you deserve it? Because you didn't God. suck his god's dick hard enough to earn money. I'm not sure if it, it's still the case now. That was said a while ago because yeah. they were saying that you know healthcare workers should be using them, not ordinary people. So I guess like the whole wasting thing was that. That was early on though. I guess. But I mean, I haven't heard anything from officials contrary to that in Australia. Obviously other places in the world are jumping on the masks bandwagon. I definitely feel when I do go outside at the moment though, there are way more people wearing masks now. That's a so good So I think thing. it's becoming more of a, just people are doing it in general here. Yeah. My boss at work was saying that like, it doesn't bother him. He lived in Hong Kong. It's very like normal there. So he's whatever. It's not a big deal. 
Whereas I think Australians don't particularly care about it either way. Oh, we have such a high Chinese population anyway. Yeah, but you, do you know what I mean? Like, there's no um, what you're seeing in America now. True, there's no one here screaming <laughs> it's like prison or something. Uh, yeah, no, no one's screaming that they can't breathe under a mask. There was like this great, I mean, TikTok of all things that I've seen that was showing someone with bad asthma and they were showing their oxygen rate while not wearing a mask versus wearing a mask and it was exactly the same. So I don't know how you can say that if you have a breathing issue, you can't wear a mask, but whatever. <laughs> You mentioned Hong Kong there. I guess that's a probably quite significant thing that happened in world history mm. there this week with that. That should be interesting. I'm very curious to go back to Hong Kong now. Like, I love Hong Kong. It's going to be interesting when I do finally get to go back. Mm. Um, I'm wondering how different it's going to feel. Will it be more like what I saw in Shanghai? Which I think would be a fair comparison to expect to be what happens to Hong Kong now, given it's probably pretty much over as it has been for the past 23 years or however long it was. I mean, I like Shanghai, but I did see, uh, I think Scott Morrison was saying he's offering a lot of like refugee status to people who want to leave Hong Kong. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Which I thought was very odd for him. I was going to say. As long as they don't come on a boat, right? Yeah, I guess. I was going to say, it's very sure interesting um, Ooh, to hear from you know a conservative what? You government. fly here, but you can't fly here anyway. No. Well, there you go. Scott Marshall. Well, just I mean, actually, you can. You I just know. have to go on quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, that's not going well here either, the whole quarantine situation, because, well, a variety of reasons. I hope if we do get a big influx of people from Hong Kong, they bring in their transport system. <laughs> I don't think they're going to uproot the trains. But No, but whoever's <laughs> in charge of that can come here and just replace all of our ones, you know, get that going. <sighs> yeah, man. Public transport in Australia is... I'd definitely be keen for some more Hong Kong-style little food places around and bars. Some very nice bars in Hong Kong. I was going to say, I don't think any of that's going to happen anytime soon. <sighs> but <laughs> I don't know. The world is such a crazy If you are place over in, in Hong Kong, go check out a bar called the Pontiac in Soho. Fucking sick. <laughs> uh, I also really like the Globe there if you like beer. Uh, you and if you're in Hong Kong, yeah, it's expensive. But you really should go up to the Ozone Bar, which is on the top floor of the tallest building. Go up at like about just before sunset, really kill of you. I'm sure everyone's traveling to Hong Kong right now. I miss Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Great city. Uh, it is quite sad that traveling is probably not on the agenda anytime soon. Mm, we'll see. Especially not for us, I guess. <laughs> the rest As of Australia will back to normal. And, I guess that we Victoria are now. Will be... Especially Melbourne Victorians. Yeah. Sorry, rest of the state. Again, dragged down by the city. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're not going anywhere for a while. Uh, Americans are definitely not going anywhere for a long time. Europe of, has said no. Yeah, you well, cannot come here. Then I seen a video today of like July Four celebrations, and it was like a pool party, and there were so many people in one body of water. It was ridiculous, and I'm like, okay, cool. Just no, no precautions being taken. It's it's quite something. <sighs> you know, back here, I, I feel like. Dan, our premier Dan, mm. I feel like he's always getting the short end of the stick. I feel quite bad for him. Yeah, isn't it? One minute it's, um, oh, what was the thing I saw? It was like they're saying. So basically people are complaining that he's doing too much and too little at the exact same time. How that makes any sense? I have no idea. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like um, people complaining that he shut things down because of the economy, but then also complaining that he's opened things up too soon. And that's why we're having, you know, more cases currently. One or the other people can't have both. <laughs> the same group complaining, though? Probably. It would not surprise Probably. me. So but you yeah. said your stories are quite silly this week. 
Yeah. Lots of short ones, nothing super. I've got two pretty short, silly ones. I decided to take a break from the uh, murder and death. Depending on how things play out, I'm not going to... I almost did it this week, but there's a little bit too much going on with it still at the moment. So I'm going to let it brew for another week and see how I feel about it. But there's kind of a big thing happening in New Guinea at the moment in relation to a domestic violence case surrounding a... Before I get her name here wrong, her last name's Kennedy. I believe it's Jenilyn. Yeah, Jenilyn Kennedy. Notable... For reasons I'll go into, mainly that, for one, like, I'm actually hearing about it. Domestic violence is a very big problem in New Guinea, as I'm sure it is in most places, unfortunately. Um, That's why I was so surprised that this one was getting so much media attention. I was actually about to ask, like, is that the sort of thing that would normally make news in New Guinea? No, not in my mind. So that's why I've been so fascinated by it and why I was called my dad about it today. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Hopefully a lot of good will come out of it. Uh, Very... Like we'll get into it either next week or the week after, probably. But yeah, so we'll see how that goes. It could be that won't be a fun one. That's okay. It's called right "Fuck now. Me Dead," not <laughs> happy fun times. So that's um, fine. But he might also be. My dad says he's going to start trying to send me some more news articles because it is hard for me to find them here. Uh, thankfully, Post Courier now isn't blocking all their news articles anymore. So okay. It's a little bit easier to get in. I found some other places that are doing news in New Guinea because uh, it's not all just. The Post Courier and MTV anymore. And by that, I mean EMTV. I was about to say MTV? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. M is a pigeon word. E-M. And it's, it's got a, it, it means a lot of things. So it can be like he, her, it, them, they, us. Maybe we should just start using that as a pronoun. That's what I was thinking today. I was looking into it. I was like, hang on, let me just double check exactly what M means. I'm like, okay, it does mean all those things. It's very similar to Mandarin. They have ta, which is T-A. But depending on your inflection, it could mean he, her, or referring to, like, animals as well. Okay. But if we, I'm like, well, that would be an easy one to steal and adopt God, into English and bastardize it. English is a really stupid language, isn't it? We don't have a word like that. I always thought it'd be easy to just steal tar from Mandarin, drop the tones entirely, and just have it refer to all three at the same time, mm. and you just deduce it by context. Yeah. So there's that. But M, yeah, it's kind of like a big phrase they have is like M now, which is like great or sick or... Right, okay. It's kind of like New Zealand's choice. <laughs> okay. You know? Like, oh, how was your meal? It's like M now kind of thing. Right, okay. Okay, okay. But they have MTV, EMTV. They also had MTV, the music channel, growing up as a kid. Okay. In New Guinea, so, you know, had both MTVs. Um, but yeah, EMTV. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open my Coke. That was a pretty good noise. My stories, I guess, devolve from seriousness to silliness. Okay. Maybe. I guess the last one's kind of serious, but it's also, it's impressive and it's shocking and it's kind of funny. It's short, though. Does that mean that you want me to go last? Yeah, okay. We'll start off with mine. Uh, I will advise my first story deals with uh, racism. Like the rest of the world right now? Cool. Particularly towards, well, entirely towards Indigenous Australians. So there's your warning. Singleton High School teacher apologizes after racist classroom rant. (laughs) Uh, Now, this was by Liz Farkar, I believe it's pronounced. I hope they got fired. And a Ben Millington for ABC News. This takes place in the Hunter Valley. I know where Singleton is. Cool. I didn't. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Hunter Valley High School is under fire for not suspending a teacher who allegedly made racist comments about Indigenous Australians to a classroom full of students. Look, I'm going to say that area, I'm not entirely surprised. (laughs) I did live in Newcastle for five years, which is not quite Singleton, I get that. But even Newcastle, that wouldn't surprise me. It's very... um. White. There's not a lot of multiculturalism. Uh, so this incident took place in a cooking class, because of course it fucking did. 
Why? Why? Because all cooking teachers are fucking whack. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. My cooking right? teacher was. They're all like just whack spinsters. I'm sorry. Is that the right term I'm looking for? Spinster? Like an unmarried woman? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Same for my cooking teacher. No, I, I, I hear it. Like, I don't mean to get a stereotype, but it's true. All cooking teachers are just fucking cooked. <laughs> cooking <laughs> teachers not are intended. cooked? Um, <laughs> like the one we had at our school, like she ended up, I had her as a roll call teacher. And mm. she ended up just locking us out of the classrooms for roll call or she wouldn't turn up at all. So we spent most of like winter roll call outside, <laughs> standing around waiting, absent most of the time. Then yeah. I got the careers teacher and she wasn't much better. So, you know, I was pretty much absent technically for the most of the last four years of my high school. <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. My food tech teacher, she was one of those old ladies that gets their, um, well, older, shall I say, uh, ladies that gets their hair cut short, gets a perm and does the purple wash through it. Okay. She was exactly that stereotype. Ours wasn't, but she ended up changing her name because some students found out what it was. Like her last name or her first name. So she got it changed. Why? I don't know. Okay, that's just I weird. don't know. I remember the second year we had her, and I had a guy who didn't have food tech the first year in my class. And he was really excited because like, oh, yeah, he hasn't done it. You know, he's like, cool, let's do it. And like the first fucking sentence out of her mouth was, this isn't cooking. It's food design, cooking at home when you have fun. Lordy. Really just set the tone for that <laughs> class. So, anyhow, it takes place in a cooking class. Okay, we've set the scene. Four Indigenous students walked out of this classroom, okay? So I don't know what you're saying about it not being too multicultural. That's quite a lot. That is quite a lot. That's more Indigenous I, kids I would than be surprised. I went to school with. Yeah, same. Well, in Australia, at least. Yeah, no, same. I went to school with a lot of I'm not sure that we had but, any yeah. Indigenous Australians in my school. I went to school in, like, Hunter's Hill. I went to high school in Schofields, which is also like pretty white. Mm. Then I went, I did like year 11 and 12 at Maryland's High, which is not white. It's the exact opposite, but like more immigrants. Well, that was like my schools growing up because obviously the schools I went to in New Guinea were effectively private schools, sort of. They call them international schools. So all the expat kids go there. So you do have a really diverse like mm. range of ethnicities and cultures at the school as well as like the wealthier locals send their kids there as well yeah so the first school i went to in garoka actually hung hung a flag for every country that they had students from right okay it was really cool so in our outdoor hall area there's all these world flags hanging off the roof from every nation that had kids at the school i will say that like the private high school i went to did include a lot of um indigenous education not really education more like you know we always think the owners, yep. like the traditional owners of the land, our school name was in, an indigenous word. Okay. Um, so I think it was more like they at least accepted that it was stolen land. Mm. Um, but apart from that, None nothing None of that really. in New Guinea, although once in Garoka they had a bunch of people come in and cook us up like a big moo and show us how to like, start a fire in the bush and all this kind of cool stuff. Okay. But also at the same time, we weren't allowed to speak pigeon oh. and it wasn't taught, which is a bit unfortunate. It's why my pigeon isn't very good, uh, despite also the years of not living there. I didn't really get a lot of chance to practice it when I did live there. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that was a really here. big aside. I'm sorry. Let's keep going. So four Indigenous Australians walk out of this classroom. This is after 14-year-old Alora Fabian confronted this cooking teacher over comments she was making in regards to Indigenous Australians living in state housing and taking money from the government. Ugh, one of those. Interesting enough, just that morning, the school had had a... Pre- presentation on diversity uh, which is what sparked this teacher to elaborate on it when they got to the classroom i'm quoting here decided to elaborate on diversity and pretty much decided to bash aboriginals said mary franks who is alora's mother <laughs> both of them mary franks and alora belong to the plains clan of the wanarua 
people, which are the indigenous peoples who lived in the Upper Hutter Valley region of New South Wales. They're split among several clans, apparently. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> so. So, like, was uh, I guess my question is, did the cooking teacher know that she had four students who were indigenous? I'd say she had to. Because Mary goes on to recount the story that her daughter told her. Uh, quoting again. Then the teacher turned around and said the best thing to happen to Aboriginal people is the European colonisation. Oh my god, one of these. My beautiful, brave 14-year-old daughter stopped at the door of the classroom and said, What you're saying is wrong. You have no idea what it's like to be Aboriginal. You've got no right to say what you're saying. The teacher's response to this is pretty bad. That would be an understatement. Um, I rewrote this part on my opinions a few times because I thought I'd just let it speak for itself. Okay. So this is what Mary says. Her daughter says happened after she said that. Okay. To which the teacher smiled on my daughter's face and replied, Look how white you are. No one is even going to know you're Aboriginal. <gasps> what the fuck? Considering what is happening in the world right now, is this really the time? Especially with how big of an issue the whole stolen generations, that whole, well, let's just breed Indigenous peoples out of the population. You know, that was a thing the government tried to do, right? I just... So that's why the teacher can now go, oh, you're not because you're white. It's like, well, no, they still carry the indigenous person's DNA in them. Yeah, it's I like, kind of feel like... Your skin color and your appearance doesn't really dictate what you are. Right. Like, I feel like that's unfair to say that you're too light skin to be indigenous. Like, that's yeah. fucking stupid. Is this the right time to be spouting your racist views? Is I don't ever know a how good time thought. to spout racist views? <laughs> Well, it's not, but I would say that in the past, this probably wouldn't have been reported on. I don't know. I think it would be. I don't know. I don't think it would have been. Mm. I don't know how this teacher thought in this political climate, shall we say. I don't know how she thought this was going to go well for her. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe she's done it before and it's gone nowhere. So that's yeah. why she thought, I'll just say it again. Like, I just, yeah, I, <laughs> people are dumb. <laughs> so the school confirmed they had received complaints about the teacher and they arranged support for the students, which is nice. Uh, Laura apparently does not need to attend that class for the rest of the term, which sounds good. But this story was reported six days ago. Yeah. And the school term in New South Wales, the holidays, were just entering week two of holidays. You get two weeks. At most, she would have had just the rest of the week of not having to go to the food tech class. And when so I was in high school- So they're going to leave that teacher in that class? So at the age of 14, I would have been in grade eight, eight. nine. Yeah. So you're only doing that class like once a week anyway. So it's nothing. Like, she probably didn't miss any of the lessons. And the teacher was allowed to continue teaching for the remainder of the week or term. Which, I fully believe this lady needs to be suspended or fired. But when I realized that, I was like, well, it's probably in another two or three days anyway. Mm. So maybe they were like, what's so the point really now? We'll just deal yeah. with it afterwards. I mean, I hope she gets fired. You can't do that to children. Yeah. I just, what an evil comment. I know. Look how like, white you are. No one is ever going to know you're Aboriginal. Just what an awful human being. And especially like you're teaching like teenage kids who are like so vulnerable about how they see themselves anyway. And then you're going to plant that bullshit in their head? Mm. I bet there are other kids who are in that class who are going to use that against those kids now. I hope Probably. not. I hope I'm wrong. But based on my high school experience. Yeah. No, I, kids can be cruel. Yeah. There's no like, like that's definitely a thing. But- no, I think she needs to be fired. Right? You can't say stuff like that to kids. I'm genuinely surprised that she hasn't been already. Maybe they've... I, I don't know. Even if there was an issue of teachers, it's fucking food tech. I know, right? <laughs> it's not like it's a major thing like a maths or a science or even English. You know, like, it's fucking food tech. I'm not sure I learned anything in food tech. I'm sure it I learned I didn't like food tech teachers. 
Um, and I learned how to make an okay Rocky Road, but I don't remember how to do it anymore. So, you know. Rocky Road's so easy. Besides, mm. anyone can read a recipe. I know. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. <laughs> woodwork and metalwork are much better. I did actually like woodwork in high school. Okay, well, that was quite a doozy to start us off. Okay, I kind of initially read this um, headline and I thought it was kind of funny, but now I don't think it's kind of funny anymore. Okay. (laughs) An ex-Target employee has pleaded guilty for using a carriage service to menace, harass, or cause offense after she harassed a HR manager with over a thousand phone calls after she was sacked. What the hell's a carriage service? Carriage service, like something like that you send a message through. Okay. So it could be like... A phone call, text, I was letters, thinking like whatever. Horse-drawn carts and shit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I assume it's called a carrier service because of like carrier pigeons. Yeah, that makes more sense. <laughs> That's how you thousand you know, phone calls. I mean, a thousand is a fucking lot. Over You're going to be days? even more surprised at the time period okay. in which she did this. Because I'm immediately thinking about that crazy woman who stalked that guy. I remember with like thousands of phone yeah. calls. Yeah. The woman made 1,025 phone calls to a target regional HR manager over a period of just five days. Fucking hell. With 686 of those calls made in just one day. Let that sink in. I, I think that that's the point where you just don't put, ever put your phone down. I don't know how that's even humanly possible. 686. You'd have to wake up in the morning and just be on it constantly. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It would be like, dial, someone pick up, hang up, dial, someone pick up, hang up. That, that's what your day would be. Oh, that poor person on the other end, had to keep picking it up. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, you could say, oh, well, don't pick up the phone, but that's their job. Yeah, you can't. Can't not pick it up. The only thing I could think of is if they had, like, caller ID, which they might have, but they might not have. Even so, it's clogging up your phone lines. Yeah. Any um, other actual important calls that come through or anyone who could actually help. And yeah, I mean, this is a HR department. Well, at least they weren't getting members of the public calling them then. That's true. But like, what if something actually happened with an employee and they couldn't get through because this crazy person is continually dialing the HR number? So the woman had worked for Target without any issues for 13 years. But after she had moved to a different store, there had been issues with her and her work. And when she was dismissed, she claimed that she had been bullied at her new store. In the article, they did say that there was like an open case about that, but there was no kind of outcome yet. So I can't really confirm confirm nor deny whether that's Either way, after this many calls, do you think Target is really going to want to hire her back? The other interesting thing that I found about is the article... Is anyone going to want it? Because if they Google her name, this will come up now, won't Yeah. It? I'm not mentioning her name because I think it's a bit unfair, but her full name was in the article. Yeah, so you go to an interview, they're like, oh, cool, we like you, you're away, they Google search your name. I assume most businesses probably do that now. Yeah, absolutely. And the first thing that comes up is that. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, no. It's not a good look. And not, not like I read two articles about this and neither of them mentioned the reason why she was fired. Mm. Maybe they legally couldn't because of the open case. Okay. But there was also nothing to imply that she was fired because of the bullying accusations. Because it seems like that didn't come up until after she was fired from the way I read it. Mm. Okay. So possibly she's just making it up to try and get something. Or possibly she started having issues because she was being bullied. It could go either way, really. When trying to explain why she called so many times in such a short period, she claims she doesn't remember making them and only remembers making about 10 of them. She then went on to claim that it was like stress induced, which is why she couldn't remember, which I'm like, that is a shaky claim at best. (laughs) Certainly, I've never been so stressed. I can't remember things as far as I remember. Yeah, same. But certainly they'd be on your phone, right? Like there's a record. Well, um, when you make a call on your phone, it says you called this person on this day. Yeah, and, like, obviously they've gone through phone records and she accepts that they came from her phone. Okay. 
But she says she doesn't remember making them, which I find odd. I understand being fired would be a stressful situation, but... Drunk or on drugs at the time, maybe? (laughs) Says nothing about substances or mental illnesses or anything to that effect. Just says it was stress-induced, whatever that means. She was put on a 12-month good behavior bond, but she's not having any conviction recorded, which I wonder if that has to do with the open case about workplace... Mm. The magistrate did argue that given the woman had apparently experienced workplace bullying previously, that she should have understood the situation she was placing the HR manager in, which I thought was a very fair point that she had been harassed, but then she was harassing someone else. Actually, yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's it. Basically, she pled guilty, but still didn't really accept responsibility. It didn't really get punished for it. I mean, 12 month good behavior bond is a punishment, but it's not really any tangible punishment there. Apart from just having to, like, not be a criminal for 12 months. God damn it. (laughs) No. Um, Which I personally have not found difficult over the past 34 years. Being a criminal's Uh, (laughs) my thing. (laughs) I just thought that that was a crazy story. Who the hell makes 686 calls in one day? Well, you got to use up those unlimited calls and text somehow, right? (sighs) I guess. (laughs) I don't think I've made 686 calls in, like... The past... Five no, years. that's a lie. I used to work in effectively a call center, so I probably did used to make a ton of calls like that. But on my personal phone, yeah, I, I wouldn't say anything. Who the fuck calls anyone anymore? Anywhere close to that. That's it. That was the whole story. Some nut job. Yep. Well, do you know that uh, phones, like what she was using, one of the most lost items oh, really? that turns up in lost property places? That sucks. Losing your phone these days would be such a hassle. It's fucking shit. As someone who did it recently, <laughs> a few years back. <laughs> This is kind of similar to another story I did a few months back where we looked at the weird things that have been left behind in Ubers mm-hmm. in New Zealand. Today we're looking at things that are found more on trains and a little bit in a Westfield and Parramatta. Okay. So the weird world of property or lost property and why it's a growing problem. Uh, this is an article by Sue Williams. It was from April last year. It actually came off of my Facebook memories. It's an article okay. I shared a year ago. Yeah. And it's from a website called Commercial Real Estate. So not even a news website. And I don't know what this has to do with real estate either now that I think about like it. Like nothing. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Andrew Rowe. He's worked for the Flinders Street Station's lost property sector for 10 years. Oh, he's seen some things. His 10 years of service did not prepare him for the day he paired inside an abandoned bag. I mean, that's kind of terrifying in a poster 9-11 world. And he found a human head. Ah! Are you fucking kidding me? Quote, it was pretty creepy. But then it looked just a little bit too plastic to be real. Oh my god, thank I thought god. It, Hang on a minute, it's a bit too light to be a real head. Ah, yes, it turned out to be a mannequin head. The type they use in hairdressers to model wigs. <laughs> Why would you do that to me? I nearly had a heart attack. Uh, he now keeps it in his office. Oh, it's like his um, office friend? It's his airhead staff, he calls it. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> uh, his reason for keeping it would be, he's like, no charity is going to take it. Right, okay. And no one stepped forward to claim it. I mean, how do you go to lost property and go, I lost a head? I lost my head. Uh, sir, have you checked on top of your shoulders? <laughs> so the article goes on to look at other interesting things that people left behind, which I'll get into. Uh, it also talks about how they've seen a big increase in the amount of lost property actually being found or left behind by people in the past few years. Uh, essentially, they're just putting it down to people being distracted by their phones. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, they're like, more people are on their phones, they're all connected, just get up and you leave. Mm. So most stuff that goes missing, it either ends up donated or if it's something like fresh 
produce. They keep it until the use-by date and then chuck it in case anyone comes and claims it. Or sometimes, you know, people actually do come back and say, hey, I lost this item. And sometimes they manage to track them down, the person who lost it. Okay. They do, you know, they're not just holding your stuff. They do try to get it back to you if they can. But I think for a lot of it, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Well, I mean, how would you know who owns it? it? Exactly. Yeah, so regularly a big item they have turning up or being handed in is hearing aids. Oh, no. That is not a good time for whoever's losing them. Uh, To which... Andrew says that it can be hard to return a hearing aid to a person, especially if you see them walking off. Because you, oh, you call no. out to them, they're not going to hear you. Yeah. And, and then they're, they're off the train. Expensive. And you're like, I'm not getting off to them. Yeah. So hearing aids. I don't know how you leave that behind. Isn't that stuck to your head? Oh, my nan takes hers out I all know. the time. I know. But surely if you're in public, you wouldn't bother taking it. I, maybe. You, oh, actually, no. You that's know why you take them out, because you're in public and you don't want to hear people. Yeah. You got some dipshit high school kids on there yeah. with their bloody soldier boy playing. <laughs> on their phone speaker. I don't know what kids listen to now. <laughs> I have no idea. Either. Certainly not fucking Soldier Boy, but you know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they also get a lot of wedding and engagement rings. Oh, another like very like high price item. So he suspects some of these probably do just slip off, but he also suspects a lot of them are thrown off in purpose. Oh, there's like a lover's tip on the train. Throw the ring. Throwing it in the corner. Yeah, I wonder what happens with those. Would they donate? Like, that's a weird thing to donate. I'm sure that there are people who can't afford that kind of thing that still want to get married. That's true. I wonder if you, is there lost, can you buy engagement rings from lost property for cheap? I assume all these things go to auction, so probably. Hmm, interesting. So often there'll be bags of interesting lingerie just left behind. Why would you leave that on a train? What is interesting lingerie? I like how he calls it interesting. What, what are these people wearing? Surely you'd say like erotic lingerie if it was sexy lingerie. This is interesting lingerie. What's on it? What's interesting about it? You know what I, like springs to mind for me is, mm. um, I don't know if you have seen the underwear for men that look like an elephant. Yep. That's what, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. I mean, that's interesting. Edible underwear? Ooh. Just as a snack? Well, you just take that on the train in case you get you peckish. Just get a bit hungry, you know. <laughs> I was going to steal it from you. Uh, have you seen those ads of people trying to sell edible underwear? And it's like used once. It's like, no. Really. Ew. I've cleaned it. I'll put free breeze on it. You're fine. Ew. Uh, on several occasions. Several occasions, all right? More than once. Okay. They found wheelchairs. Wheelchairs. How does that happen? To quote Mr. Rowe, have the occupants suddenly decided they could walk again? How come they left them behind? What well, happened? I mean, to be fair, there are people who use wheelchairs that no. can walk. Yeah. So do they get up and walk off the train, get halfway across the platform and go, oh no, hang on, I need my wheelchair now. Oh, the train's gone. Yeah. I would say that that's probably the situation. That's a really bad one. A really bad one to lose. So we go interstate now to New South Wales, Sydney public transport staff. Similar. They once found a prosthetic leg. Maybe they had bought a new prosthetic leg and then went, oh, I fucking need this one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like but this how do you happen. walk? Okay. Wheelchair. You don't necessarily always need it. You just use it because you can't walk long distances. You get up off the train without thinking. Mm-hmm. Prosthetic leg. You hop off the train, literally, and go, oh, hang on a minute. This ain't right. Like I said, maybe they got a new one. They decided I don't need this one. I don't want to carry this one home. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if that's not the case, then I don't understand well, what how that if would they, happen. I, I was also thinking maybe it was someone taking a prosthetic leg to someone else. Turn Possibly. up, where's my leg? Oh, oh shit. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I can see that happening as well. But I also feel if you lost a prosthetic leg on a train, it's not like a phone where you call up and go, oh, did my phone get handed in? They're like, which one? Yeah. Did my leg get handed in? Yeah. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly I feel- the leg you're talking about. Not, I, yeah, oh, which I- leg? <laughs> I feel like not a lot of legs are getting handed in. 
Um, where was I? So also in Sydney, they've had a katana. A katana? A katana. Okay, that's some, just disturbing. Some gentle sir has lost his weapon, <laughs> for which he protects the, oh, the ladies. Uh, a French horn and a violin. I feel like that's just high school kids, right? I guess. I think who, a French who, horn. Who, who else is carrying around a French horn? I'm sorry. Violin especially. That's quite a common. French horn's a bit of an odd instrument for high schoolers. Uh, surfboards. Hundreds of prams, suitcases, and walking sticks, and crutches. Again, crutches. Why are, the, uh, why are so many of these implements you need to assist you to walk? And just get up and leave them behind. Skis, a tent. Oh my God, what if you're going camping and you left your tent on the train? <laughs> the train. You just get there and be like, oh, this oh, is no. A giant picture frame. Okay, that one, I'm, I'm not sure how you would leave behind. And one very large cooking pot. What's very large? I don't know, this is a very <laughs> large cooking pot. With those two, I'm thinking, did the person just get to their destination and go, I can't fucking bother lugging this yeah, home anymore? Probably. News of the Wales Transport once also found a giant teddy bear that no one claimed. <laughs> uh, so so they cleaned it up, washed it thoroughly, and donated it to the Westmead Children's Hospital. Aww. So that was nice of them. And lastly, they spoke to Parramatta Westfield, huge shopping centre. You might have heard of it if you live in Biggest, Sydney. Biggest uh, shopping centre in the Southern Hemisphere, in fact. It's pretty big. I don't mind Parramatta Westfield. It's pretty good. Very different to when I used to hang out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a whole other side to it now. It's probably, it's probably a bit bigger than when we left, too. Yeah, probably. Uh, so they claim their strangest items are a wig. I mean, that's not that weird. I don't know. A toy horse. Again, eh? It's just a kid leaving a toy behind. Some onions. Okay, that one's beyond. <laughs> and a lettuce. <laughs> Tony Abbott, have you been... <laughs> oh, come on. He would never be in Parramatta. Are you kidding me? <laughs> He'd never leave behind his onions, either. <laughs> Who hands in a lettuce to lost property? Yeah, I know. Like, I wouldn't, like, find, like, a lettuce on the ground and go, better hand this in. Better hand in this lettuce. Someone's looking for it. Someone's spilling tears over these onions and not in the way it's intended. (laughs) That's a bit weird. (laughs) I found this bag of onions just over there. I thought maybe the person might come back for it. No, I think they're going to get home and go, fuck, I forgot my onions. I mean, I guess maybe if, like... My 60 cents of onions... (laughs) If it was like a grocery store and you left them on the counter, you might like be, oh, I forgot and go back. Yeah. But. It was just found somewhere in the middle of Westfield. You sat down to have a cheeky packet of nuggets or something. Get up, leave your onions behind. Yeah, you're not coming back for that. You're coming back for your fucking onions. <laughs> and even if you did, you probably wouldn't want to use them. You're like, they've been sitting there. You don't know what people have done to it. Yeah. Someone no. touched your onions. I mean, I don't like onions, but I still wouldn't want people touching them. <laughs> my onions i'm not gonna do anything with them but don't <laughs> fucking touch them i swear to god okay was that was that it that's it that's my <laughs> dumb list oh lord a leg in a wheelchair multiple wheelchairs <laughs> i wonder if the they race the wheelchairs now they got oh, enough of them. them yeah yeah like, have, <laughs> at night on the station big long stretch of oh my god. concrete wheelchair racing well you know i i figured that some of those lost and found items get thrown in the bin and this story is about a man in a bin. 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 Oscar the Grouch? No. <laughs> Not a man. Are you sure? I don't think he's human. Part of him's definitely a man. Are Insi- you sure? Inside. Could be a woman. I thought the puppeteers usually also voiced the Muppets. I guess a woman could do that voice. I was going to say, it depends on the voice actor, I suppose, but I still feel like it could be a woman. It's probably not, but... Who plays Oscar <laughs> the Grouch? This has nothing to do with the story, by the way. Look, we'll call it half and half because his name's Carol. <laughs> Carol Spinney. But it's a man. Oh, this is sad. He's died. He also played oh. Big Bird. Okay, well, that was a downer. So is this story a bit, sort of. So this week, 
Like on Monday of this week. Monday the 29th of June. Yes. A 21-year-old man decided to climb into a bin, a wheelie bin, like where you put your rubbish in and put it out in the curb for it to okay, be picked so not up not on bin day. Skip bin or anything like that. Or... No, a normal residential bin. And he rolled it down a hill. No, no, no. He oh. got he got in the bin on bin day. That's just asking so for trouble. At eight a.m., the garbage truck rocked up and he was emptied into the garbage truck. Now I don't know if all of you know how garbage trucks work, but this is really bad news for this guy because they compress the garbage. They compress it. So he's probably lucky that he's still alive. Okay, that was going to be my um, first question. I, was, well, I guess yeah, as a garbage man, you can't really see the garbage falling in. How big is this bin? Because ours is tiny. Well, I mean, ours, ours is a small bin. I hate Most ours. aren't usually as small as our bin. Even our recycling but, bin, though, I don't think I could fit inside of it. I don't know how big this guy is. He's 21. He might be little. I don't know. So he did get stuck in the garbage truck. And as a result, now has two broken legs. But he has no life-threatening injuries. Like, that's pretty much all that happened. And I think he's probably very lucky. When and how did they find him? Okay, so I mentioned it. Was it when they compacted the garbage and it screamed? (laughs) No, no, no. So I don't really quite understand what happened here because no one can work out why he was in the bin. Not even him? No, and like, well, at the moment, his family have gone to talk to him to be like, (laughs) why were you in the bin, bin?" And apparently he's super drugged up and is not making a lot of sense. So they don't really know why he was in the bin. The Rye Fire Brigade have said that this incident should serve as a warning to the public. You say ride? Rye. It's in Victoria. Oh, okay. Climbing into bins is extremely dangerous and he's, yeah, very lucky to be alive. And the only reason that he is, is due to the quick actions of the driver. Apparently he's seen in the mirror. Yeah. That a person went in. Okay, good. So and immediately hit it. the stop thing. However, had he not been looking in the mirror. He'd be dead. He'd be dead. Imagine that as the driver, you just watch the garbage. What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, good on that driver because if they hadn't have done that... I feel like it would be such an easy thing in that oh job as well. God. Just be like, I don't have to look at the garbage anymore. Yeah, no, definitely. You'd um, just be like, day in, day out, whatever. I'm not looking at it. And I'm sure that they probably do get trained to look for that because of this kind of thing. Kids get into bins. That's you know. probably it. Yeah, kids. Um, pets. But it is so easy to become complacent when that hasn't, hasn't happened. Yeah. So yeah, honestly, he could have been distracted for a second. Like Anything could have fucking happened to make him not look in that mirror. This is why they pay garbage men $40 an hour, you know? <sighs> Man. <laughs> fucking hell. So yeah, my message, don't get in bins, especially on bin day. Do you know in England, there's a guy who thought his solution to homelessness was a little device that homeless people could buy for like a hundred pounds or something. And it's basically a bar that lets you stick two bins together and then like wedge them together into like a little makeshift shelter you can sleep in. It's the funniest shit. Go look it up on YouTube. You can watch this English gentleman climbing into a fucking bin to have a nap. Can you just like like, give him a tent? Where are they going to get the bins from? Yeah. um, (laughs) I feel like you get a tent for less than a hundred pounds. He noticed it because I think he makes, race, like in his spare time, he makes like race cars out of bins as well. Okay, so this guy's really into bins. And he's lying in one and he's this thought, oh, this is pretty comfortable. Maybe homeless people can sleep in it. I feel like that's so degrading to you know the what? homeless I'll... person who's expected to sleep in a fucking bin. If I remember, I'll retweet it on our Twitter. Okay. That was my whole story though. Well, my story also takes place on a roadside curb. Was that your segue? That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> we're flying through this episode now. Uh, so... I'm not going to read you the headline initially, because this is a Daily Mail article. Oh, so the, the story is the headline? Okay. Pretty much. But it was uh, God, reported that's a, by... That's a, good, that's a good merch idea. T-shirts with the story is the headline. Because yeah. you say that so often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Place for the Daily Mail. Police found 34-year-old Gemma Purcell... Purcell? 
crying in a gutter after she had crashed her Suzuki Swift in Wollongong in July last year. Okay. This is only reported on this week, though, so it took a while for the story to come out. Okay, that's kind of weird. Have you been drinking, they asked. Yes, I had a wine at lunch with mum. So, naturally, the police breathalyzed her. Well, they would have done it anyway, but you know, yeah. standard protocol. They breathalyzed her, and then they promptly arrested her as well. She later admitted she'd also had a stubby at Tui's New, but vomited a little after consuming it. I mean, fair, because New it's is Tui's terrible. New, I get it. <laughs> so, she pleaded guilty in court and was sentenced to 15 months in jail to be served in the community by way of intensive corrections order and undergo mental health treatment and to abstain from alcohol. Her license was suspended, and her car must be fitted with an interlock device for two years. So what do you think happened? I was going to say, this seems really extreme for what you said. So the legal blood alcohol limit in New South Wales, and I believe all of Australia, you have to be under this to be able to drive legally in Australia, is 0.05. Mm-hmm. She recorded a blood alcohol level of 0.432, eight times the legal <laughs> limit. Just from a wine at lunch. Just from one wine at lunch with mum. Okay, sure. Making it one of uh, the highest recordings in Australian history. Not Fucking the highest, hell. one of the highest. Fucking hell, like, is that at the point of, like, alcohol poisoning? I didn't mention it in my story, but the article does mention she's got a history of alcohol abuse. Okay. And substance abuse, so she does have a problem. Right, okay. But I'd say surely that must be the highest record for a female driver. Probably. I could say it must be a man who's got the highest one, but fucking hell, 0.432. I think the highest I've ever seen myself get to because I used to drink at a bar that had one. I like <laughs> Monday night work drinks at the Longy. Oh, God, the Longy. <laughs> I hate the Longy. They had a breathalyzer test there. Uh, I think I got one five once. Bloody hell. I mean, I guess if she does have um, a long-standing issue with alcohol, she's probably pretty resistant to it. Yeah. Well, that's what, how it works, right? You, yeah. I still don't know what it's like to be a regular drinker. You just, it doesn't affect you for a long time. Mm. It's really bad, then, because <laughs> you just keep going. Yeah. So. <laughs> Until you get to that level, then you're like, holy fuck. Ooh. I wonder what highest recorded blood alcohol level in Australia. So what did I say she had? 0.4 something. Four, four, three, two. Okay. Looks like the record is actually held by a woman. You were wrong. I was wrong. How sexist of you. I know. Sorry I thought men were more alcoholic than women. <laughs> Not far behind, though. World record, sorry, Australian record, 0.48. Fucking hell. God. I don't, I don't think I've ever been that drunk. Jesus Christ. Female driver blows 14 times Aussie blood alcohol limit. <laughs> 0.7. Fuck me dead <laughs> i did my story of the wrong woman <laughs> oh that was in the united states oh, that's different it was a woman though again women are women more susceptible to blood alcohol maybe because they're generally um less dense <laughs> i mean that's a really weird way of putting it but what i mean to say is that they're not as muscular gen- generally speaking yeah, obviously not always but, as well but you know usually just generally smaller I wonder what the United States legal limit is. They probably don't fucking have one. Well, I mean, they have like DUIs and stuff. I don't think that's true. 0. 0.708. What a fucking Probably lucky legend. to still be alive at that point. Right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, in the US, it's 0. 0.08. So you can be a little bit more drunk when you're driving in America than you can <laughs> in Australia. I don't say I'm surprised. But eh. I mean, it's not that much. No, it's really not that much more. <laughs> anyway, that's my final story. Okay, there's not really a segue here. I was going to say Australians do like drinking, but the story has nothing really to do with that. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I found this article the other week and I thought it was really interesting. And it's about like Australian slang and where it comes from. Okay. Yeah. So it's like the origin of the slang word. I feel like if you've looked up Australian slang, it's been done to death, right? Everyone knows we say weird shit, but why do we say weird shit? Well, you've already done a story like this previously where you compared Australian and New Zealand slang. Yeah, but that was different. I, I understand. Sort of like saying, so now we're looking at where it came from. Yeah, so it's origin. Why do we say these things? I found a massive list. I've cultivated to the ones I thought were most interesting. Okay. But there's plenty more out there if you want to find it. So do you know what a dog's eye is? I believe this is a term used to refer to the butthole of an animal. <laughs> No. No? It's a food. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Then, no, I don't know what a dog's eye it, is. It, it rhymes. Oh, dog's eye, something kind of pie? Yeah. Just a pie? It's a meat pie. Okay, so you guys have that weird fucking rhyming slang here. We do, and I'm going to mention that a few times here. We do have weird rhyming slang, but that is actually not the reason it's called a dog's eye. Okay. Because it looks like a dog's butthole. <laughs> it looks like something on the inside that a dog would throw up, but no. That's not it. So during World War Two, I don't have meat pie ages. Me either. I actually quite like pies. I like it when they do like thick proper chunks, not like mince mm. and shit. When you get like a good proper gourmet fast. meat pie. And I'll, I'll, I'll take it. But also I feel way. bad paying a lot of money for a pie. Yeah, I know. Because it's like not that. Like You don't um, pay a lot of money for a pie. The last good, really, really good pie I had would have been when I went to Adelaide. And I had a Adelaide. It's famous for their pie floaters. Because mm-hmm. that's where it originated from. Have you ever had one? No. Do you know what it is? No. Pie floater is essentially just a pie that I believe they serve upside down. Okay. And then they pour, you actually, you'd hate it. They pour like a mash peas over the top of it. Oh, fuck that. Look, I hate peas. Awful, tasted, amazing. <laughs> oh, I just realized for any international listeners may not know what a meat pie is. It's a pie with meat in it because pie is not dessert. It's a fucking. Yeah, I was going to say, in Australia, <laughs> pie is not dessert. It's also we, not a pizza. We do have dessert pies. But we do. They're not really that popular, though. No, when people talk about pie, we're thinking like a meat pie, you put tomato sauce on it. You get yeah. it from a servo. I mean, it is. It's like pastry, but inside the pastry is meat and like gravy. And so, yeah, it's probably different to what, like, say, Americans refer to as pie. Mm. It's got meat in there instead. <laughs> so during World War II, when American servicemen arrived on Australian shores, they were given pies to make them want to eat it. They said it was the equivalent of an American hot dog. I'd say that's fair. Yeah, I'd say that's fair too. Especially when you go to, say, a sporting event, meat pies. Yeah. Eat them at the sports. So that's why it's called a dog's eye. Meat pie, dog's eye. What? Meat pie, dog's eye. That's, that's why it's called a dog's eye. Cause, oh, because a hot dog. Because a hot dog. Yeah. And that rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking stupid. A lot of these go back to, like, war. So, which I find kind of interesting, personally. I feel World War... One and two were the first time a lot of cultures got to mash together easily. That's true. Because as well. the people who went there didn't really have the means to travel internationally normally. Mm. So yeah, okay, yeah, that's a fair point. Damper. That's a bread. That's a bread. It's a very like easy to make bread. It's I guess the guy from Snowy. No, what's that fucking song you all love? Waltzing Matilda. He makes damper in it, doesn't he? Waltzing Matilda's not even Australian. Is it? No. <laughs> um, I think you might be thinking of the man from Snow River. Yeah. He had damper. He does have damper, yeah. Um, but it's kind of a bread you can make on a stove pot over a fire. Yeah, it's, really it's easy very to make. very easy to make. You don't need a lot of ingredients. It's actually really bloody nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a flat bread, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's, it's really nice. It's very simple to make. Um, it's kind of like you would make it camping. 
Yeah. Like, that's how easy it is to make. That's what I think, like, bush rangers and shit. Yeah. And that kind of people would have, you know, people exploring out and living on the land made damper when they're out camping because it's easy and it's filling, I'd assume, because it's fucking bread. Yeah, exactly. It first appeared in the first Australian cookbook in 1864, which was by Edward Abbott. I don't know if he was someone important at the time. So basically it's called damper because, wait for it, it dampens your hunger. Okay. No, I like that. That makes sense. Yeah. Sounds good to me. It's quite dense, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's really nice, though. I haven't had damper in a long time, but remember when I had it? I fucking loved it. A thong. Or thongs. Okay. So this is a jandal or a flip-flop. Do not refer to them as jandals in this house. They're fucking jandals, bro. Fucking thongs. Not the underwear. (laughs) No, not the underwear. We're not referring to that. Thongs that go on your feet. Yeah, I have no idea on this one. I didn't realize it's a fucking thong. The term's origin is Old English, meaning a strip of leather or hide. Okay. So that totally makes sense. So its first known use in Australia was in the 12th century. Hang on, wait, is that right? No, that can't be right. I take that back. I read the sentence wrong. Its first known use being before the 12th century. But it does mean that Australians have been using the term thong well before thong was referred to as underwear because it was bought here Mm. by the British. Did they have foot thongs back then? I don't know. Well, I guess it just refers to a strip of leather, you said. Yeah. So I suppose like horse saddles and shit, the strappings on that would be thongs. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure like when we started to use it, what was the first thong made out of? Probably not rubber. No. So it probably was like leather or something. Because mm, those styles of sandal go back a long time, I feel. Mm. So. Nippers. How do you explain to someone what a nipper is? I thought about this and I'm like, I, have, I actually don't know how to explain what it is. Okay. So a nipper... This is like something to do with life-saving, isn't it? It is. So nippers are kids that are like training. To be life. They're learning surf life-saving skills so that people so, but, stop but people I mean, like, drowning at the beach. You don't have to, like you can be a nipper without becoming a lifeguard. Yeah. It's basically like it refers to kids who are learning safety in the water. It's a really hard thing to explain. I know what it is, though. <laughs> yeah, so just think of them as it's kind. So usually like Surf Life Saving Club have like courses on like safety at the beach and in water and stuff. Like it's a pretty important part of Australian culture. Because everyone lives on the bloody coast. Because everyone lives on the coast. A lot of people swim. Like it's just, it's a thing. Not every kid does that. It's kind of like an extra level over basic safety. You do it's it on not the a requirement kind of thing. It's not a in-school thing. So, like, if you're a kid who likes to go to the beach, your parents will probably put you in nippers. It's a really hard thing to explain. <laughs> However, <laughs> I hope that was a sufficient explanation. Here we go. Nippers is a beach education program that introduces children aged 5 to 14 years to life-saving. Yes. There you go. So, this one was a weird one. Uh, this started as an early colonial term describing children who are employed to do odd jobs in labouring gangs. Interesting. How it ended up being used to describe what it is today? No idea. Also worth noting, uh, nippers is used in New Zealand and South Africa. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. I just Does anyone in South Africa listen to us? I, I don't know. I don't think so. But if you are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one is a bludger. Now, this is a very Australian word because I said it once to someone who wasn't Australian. And he's like, what the yep. fuck are you talking about? So a bludger is or wagging or jigging. It's not really like those are also very Australian slang terms. So um, basically like a lazy person. Okay. so we're not You can using, say pretty much anyone is a bludger. We're not using it in the terms of someone who's skipping class, just someone who's slacking off. I mean, that could be. Yeah. 
um, away. It's just like a lazy person. Someone who yeah. is, yeah, slacking off. Yeah. Doesn't so want to do anything. The one that springs to mind here is Dole Bludger. That's a, which that's is a, a derogatory um, term. You just refer to someone who's just living off government handout money and not it's doing. It's not anything. a very nice thing to say to someone. No, it's not. But like you know, you could you could use it in a lot of ways. Like someone asks how your day at work is, and you went, "Oh, I just bludged." Yeah, that's pretty much what my work has been since coronavirus started. Just you a just whole bludge. Like, <laughs> Except yeah. they told me to do it, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like a lazy a bludger is a lazy person. They just say we got nothing for you to do here. Just go home and bludge it till we call you yeah. back. I was like, all right, sounds sick. I don't know why we call. I I, I do know why we call it that now, but like it's a really like. Like harsh term because to me i'm thinking like it must derive from yeah bludgeon it doesn't mm. but that's i think where most people's mind would go is like bludgeon which is obviously like to hit someone that's not what it is to us um okay. however it's actually british slang but i don't think they use it anymore probably because <laughs> it used to mean a prostitute's pimp sweet just realized can't say prostitute anymore why not i don't even think you can say pimp anymore i mean Who's i'm talking the defending pimps I'm using it in historical context, if yeah. that makes things better. But yeah, so bludger came to mean one who lives off the earnings of a sex worker. Basically saying that like... Well, they're not doing anything. They're not doing anything that is living off someone else's earnings. Interesting. So that's how we got the term bludger. bludger. It does sound not very do much. Yeah. I could also understand how they've probably stopped using it and moved on to something else and we've kept using it. We changed the meaning, basically. Sort of. Not really. Not really, but yeah. So that's where we get it from. It's interesting, though, how when languages do that, where the original source moves on, but somewhere else keeps it. Yeah. Supposedly, the American accent is what all English people used to sound like. So, But when they divided 300-odd years ago, whenever fucking America became its own country, yeah, whenever America became a country and split from the British, I think it was like the 1700s, they kept the traditional English accent, and the English accent changed into the proper British one it is today, you what? Something in that region. I don't think that was a proper English accent, but I feel try. like I went through a bit of a range there from all the class down to the Cockney. Yeah. I just got to service all of it. <laughs> digger. This is also a very Australian term. Yeah. So a digger. This one I think I do know. Let me have a crack at this. Okay. So a digger refers to an Australian infantryman. It, yeah. I believe it specifically would come from the Gallipoli campaign, and they're called diggers because they dug trenches. Yeah, so basically it's because they spent most of their time digging trenches. So we now call them diggers. It's still used today. It's, yeah, we still very much use that term today. If someone said that to me, I would completely understand what that meant. In fact, I believe in Civilization Six. if you play as Australia, the standard riflemen are replaced by diggers. <laughs> and they have some special skills. So That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Drongo. You drongo. No, I yeah, I don't know about this one. I know how to use it, <laughs> but I don't know much do you, about it. Do you know it. how to define it? What's a drongo? I don't know. It's an idiot. Okay, I wasn't you're like too far off. you know, oh, you're a drongo. It means you've done something stupid, or you're an idiot, or like you'd use it in the same context as yep. you would the word idiot. This one I actually thought was really interesting. There was an Australian racehorse named. Drongo in the early 1920s. So there's also a bird called a drongo in Madagascar. Okay. So it's assumed that the so horse... Madagascar person's listening to this right now going, yeah, a drongo. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> so like, it's assumed that the horse was named after the bird. Okay. But he wasn't like a bad racehorse or anything, but he ran 37 races and never won. Um, <laughs> soon after the horse's retirement... The anti-far lap. <laughs> 
Soon after the horse's retirement, it seems that racegoers started to apply the term to horses that were having similarly unlucky careers. And then it eventually changed to mean like not so much unlucky, but hopeless or no hopers or idiots. Hmm. I just thought that one was really interesting. (laughs) I was double checking digger here and we do actually use it in New Zealand, but I don't know how common it still is. In my definition, it said Australian and New Zealand. Okay. So I thought so. Looks here, some people say it started as early as 1850s. And they used to refer to miners or a type of gum digger in New Zealand. But it really got cemented during Gallipoli. Yeah. Furfy, which is a brand of beer also, which, yeah. It's it's not not the worst beer, but it's also not very good. (laughs) Furfy is, and I know this only because of their own marketing. (laughs) Furfy is to tell a tall tale or to lie or something like that. It's a lie, like a rumor. Their their marketing is, you can tell one. Why you have one. I'm like, exactly. Which, like, awful. I'm not sure why we're encouraging people to make up stories, but whatever. Well, you're out drinking with your mates, you exaggerate out some <laughs> tall tale about some Sheila you knocked up. It turns out she was a drungo bonzo. <laughs> something I don't fucking know. Um, so, yeah, F- Furphy's like a lie, a rumor, a made up story. Where's it come from? So, Furphy comes from the name of a firm, J. Furphy and Sons, who operated a foundry in Victoria and manufactured water carts. What were they lying about? <laughs> So the name Furphy was obviously on these carts and the term probably originated at the Broadmeadows Army Camp in Melbourne as a transfer from the name of the carts to the typical gossip of the soldiers at the sites that were serviced by the carts during the First World War. Okay, so these carts spread news amongst all the different soldier yeah. camps. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. I thought that one was really cool, actually, like as an explanation as to why we say it. <laughs> so it's not even that that company was lying about it. I thought it was going to no. be like, that's a big lie they were telling. No, no, no. They just delivered gossip. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I quite like that one. I mean, a lot of these come from the war. I mean, the other side of it is that Australian, like Australia doesn't have a long history. Mm. So all of these are relatively new. Yeah. Really? Like when you think about it. Well, even that nippers, that only started in the late 60s. Yeah. Like a lot of the ones on the list were like from the 70s and 60s and stuff. I'm like, Jesus, we haven't been saying this for long, have we? But I mean, we use it. This is a perfect example of one that came from the 60s. Do you know what I'm about to say? No. To do a Harrod Holt. Okay. (laughs) This is also another rhyming one. It is another rhyming one, but it also still applies to the man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So the the rhyming one, the full rhyming one is do a Howard Holt and Bolt. Yeah. To disappear, to get out of but there. But as Australians, we shorten everything. So it li- literally, like, you would say to do a Holt. You wouldn't say, you wouldn't say the whole thing. You wouldn't say yeah. to do a Howard Holt. But it is At another one. At one point would have, but it keeps just getting shortened. It does. It just keeps getting shortened. <laughs> uh, so Howard Holt. We have spoken about it before. I, I should really cover it. We should do it in full, but essentially yeah. he's, I'd say he's one of the more famous Australian prime ministers. He did a lot of good things. He was only us. around for about six months. He wasn't around for long, but he did a lot of good things. He was the one that converted us from pounds to dollars. I know he did other things, but that's the first one that springs to mind. Harold Holt went for a swim and drowned. Look, don't say that. He went for a swim and never came back. We don't know what happened. Harold Holt went for a swim in a really dangerous beach and he was having, he had an injury and he wasn't a very good swimmer to begin with. And this was before surf lifesaving was a thing because, you know, there weren't any nippers around in those days. Okay, it was a private beach. It was a private beach, so it was never manned by a lifeguard anyway. So he was definitely not swimming between the flags. There was no flags. (laughs) (laughs) And Harold Holt drowned because he went swimming at a dangerous beach when he couldn't swim very well and he already had an injury. Okay, look, he... Probably did drown, but we can't say that because we don't know that. 
Did communist China even have the capability to build submarines in the 60s? Because that's another theory that the, a communist Chinese submarine stole them. We, 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 should, we should cover all the theories about what people think happened to Harold Holt. But I mean... He probably drowned. Um, even the um, article that I got this from said, the phrase is from the name of a former Australian Prime Minister, Harold Holt, who disappeared, presumed drowned while swimming. Presumed. So he basically, drowned. Harold Holt <laughs> fucked off and didn't come back. That's why we say it. That's why we have the Harold Holt <laughs> Swimming Centre named after him. <laughs> he did love swimming. I, I don't know. Then why was he better at it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... He was an older man. I suppose it's a good lesson for children. We're going to, first lesson, we'll teach you about why it's called the Harold Holt Swimming Center and why you need to learn to swim. <laughs> yeah. So that's a fun one that I feel like um, not many other places would have. No way would have that. Who else would be saying that? Yeah. This one I hadn't really heard of before, but apparently it's a very common term if you're a surfer. Okay. What's a Noah? How's it spelled? Like the name Noah. Like the, the guy's name Noah. Like Noah's Ark. That's what I was thinking. I was shooting this. This is another rhyming one. Noah. Think Noah's Ark, because that sort of rhymes it. Noah's Ark? Something of a shark? Yeah. Yeah. A Noah is a shark. Oh, that's um, fucking stupid. <laughs> it's a weird one. I hadn't really heard it before. Can you imagine yelling that out to someone, look out for the Noah? He's like, what the fuck? But apparently um, Surface started using it in the 1930s purely because it rhymed. <laughs> I feel like people have probably been bitten by sharks because of this, because they've gone, what's a Noah? And then got bitten. I have a feeling that if you're a surfer, you probably know it. Mm. And really, the only people that are worried about Sharks and surfers. because they're going to get bitten. Yeah. So. Um, so I just thought that was a fun one because I hadn't heard it before. Mm, okay. Um, but I'm not a surfer, so that's probably why I've never heard I, it before. I guess it's not too outlandish. I did come to the conclusion pretty quickly. Once you yeah. said Noah's Ark, I was like, okay, yeah. and so, shark. As Australians do, shortened the word. Honestly, when I looked at um, like the list, I left so many of them out because it was just like, you know, it's popular in Australian slang to shorten a word. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to repeat that a billion times. <laughs> This one, I thought was quite interesting because I had not known the origins of it. Yeah, this is another rhyming one, but I had never heard where it came from. So okay. I thought it was interesting. What's a tart? A tart? A tart. Well, I've heard tart uses like referring to a woman. Y- yes. Is that what this one is? Yes. Like is that, that only an Australian thing to call a woman apparently a tart? Apparently it is. And apparently it wasn't always the way that we know it now. Because, okay, if you called a woman a tart right now, they'd be very offended. It's kind of like calling them a slut, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like, you know, you're saying they're promiscuous. <gasps> How dare a woman want to have mm, fun know, like right. that song. But I mean, like, I feel like What's now... What's song? Who's the song by? I want to say Lindsay Lohan. It's not right. What song are you talking about? Girls just want to have fun. Oh, that's Cindy Lauper. Yeah. I knew it was something with an L. <laughs> um, I knew it wasn't Lindsay Lohan. I was, like, I was going to say, I, 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 I don't of. know if she was alive when that song came out. Probably not. <laughs> But yeah, I hadn't really heard this before. So yeah, if you said it now, it would be kind of like calling someone easy. So it's an abbreviation of jam tart, probably because it rhymes with sweetheart. That is sweetheart, a stretch. Jam tart. Um, so for the best part of the last 100 years, calling a woman a tart was not necessarily an insult. Because it's a sweetheart. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense there. And then it kind of morphed over time. To be an ironic thing. Yeah. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. I didn't know that it was ever used as like a nice term. Yeah, because you said jam tart. I'm like, how is that relating to a promiscuous woman? But jam tart, sweetheart, because it meant something good back then. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. And then it's sort of morphed and now people use it as kind of an insult. Weird how that works. Yeah. <laughs> and the last one I had was mystery bags. Mystery bags. And I feel like this is kind of self-explanatory. I don't even need the notes. What's a mystery bag? I don't know. It's a mystery bag. You've never, you've never heard someone refer to a mystery bag? 
No. It's a, it's a sausage. Oh. And the reason is you never know what's in it. So it's a mystery. I don't think anyone else calls them mystery bags because it's dumb. <laughs> I've certainly never heard it. <laughs> Although one of the articles um, <laughs> pointed out a phrase that only Australians say. I couldn't find the origin of it, so I didn't include it. But saying that you could eat out the bum of an elephant. What? Hang away. Eat the... Arse out of an elephant? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. What does that mean? It means you're really hungry. I don't know if an elephant's ass is that good eating. I'm not sure it's about whether it'd be tasty. <laughs> I think it's they're saying it would be a lot. Oh, Pixie, you had some gunk in your eye and now you've rubbed it onto your cheek. <laughs> and you're still hungry. Yeah, you're real hungry. You're so hungry. Pixie, since you're here, could you currently eat the ass out of an elephant? <laughs> I mean, she doesn't seem too impressed by that. No, she seemed kind of insulted. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was like another one about being hungry as well, which was like something about you're so hungry you could eat a horse in the jockey too, which I'm like, that's really messed up. But I've definitely heard that before. Oh, the jockey too. I've yeah. seen the Johnny Doo. I'm like, where is that? No, and the jockey too. So I've heard so hungry I could eat a horse. Yeah. Fun fact, I have eaten horse. Ew. Don't. Poor horsies. Anyway, that's my lesson on how we came up with really weird words that we say. Very educational. We've learned. I, I, we, I learned we've today. We've learned slang today and we've learned a pigeon word. Mm. A little bit of Mandarin in there as well. <laughs> put the educational hashtag on our podcast to expand <laughs> our viewership and bam. Oh God, could you imagine someone like listening to this thinking they were going to learn something? <laughs> They're learning stuff. I mean, yeah, but... I don't know if any of it's useful. I was yeah. going to say, I don't know if it's worth learning, but... <laughs> If you have any lessons you'd like to submit to us or stories of any kind, you can email us at fmedadpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at fuckmedadpod and keep up to date with our episodes released. Any stories that don't make it to the cut and general shit posting. For example, if I do remember, I will retweet whatever it was I said I was going to tweet about <laughs> a few stories ago. I don't remember. I'll hear all I'm editing it and go, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, it was that guy in the fucking bins. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to find that again, but I should be able to. Uh, all this information more can be found on our website, which is fuckmedadpodcast.com. And you've got all these ways you can listen to us there. Leave us a like, give us a review, tell your friends, get your buddies involved. We've hit a big milestone. Yeah, we actually probably should have mentioned that at the top of the episode, but we forgot. <laughs> 28 episodes. And then finally, the other night, about 1 a.m., I think it was, we were watching yeah. fucking TikToks because neither of us want to go to sleep. <laughs> yep. We hit a big milestone for viewers. Did you want to say what the milestone was? We could do. It seems like you're hesitating. You don't want to. I'm also like, well, it's a lot of episodes. We also don't market this we don't. at all. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like for two people who have no previous following, that getting to a thousand listens is pretty good. Yeah. I'm not sure I expected anyone to listen. It'll be interesting to see if it takes another 28 episodes to get to 2,000. It won't. No, I think it is going faster. Yeah, definitely. Our average like listens per episode is definitely up recently so so if you're out there sharing it thank you yeah i mean thanks for listening like i said i'm not sure that i really ever expected anyone to actually listen so it's kind of cool that people do every week (laughs) yeah i I will admit i don't think we'd get to 30 episodes i know we're not 30 yet but we'll be there next week yeah i I didn't think we'd be doing this still 30 episodes later why not i don't know i just thought we'd get a few episodes in and be like oh stop i actually like really enjoy making it Personally, you know, I, well, I used to stream, I guess we can say, and I've tried like a bunch of other online uh, content creation, but this is like definitely the one that I've enjoyed the most. Um, I don't know. I just have fun making it and I really love podcasts. So do you have fun making it? I think I like the recording process. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the fun part. (laughs) 
I find the editing grueling, so it's nice whenever we develop our recording ability to mm. make the editing easier. Like, it has gotten easier than when I first started doing it because we've changed how we record. Yeah. Some of those first few episodes that you edited must have been a bloody nightmare. Oh, you have no idea. Um, <laughs> and I sometimes like- it can be hard finding stories. Like, sometimes I wake up and I'm just like, oh, I should have done this earlier in the week. <laughs> I mean, I will admit, I generally do do notes, like, the day we record now, which is probably pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I actually... Bless you. It's our cat. She's sneezing. <laughs> um, I really like the researching part. It can be interesting. I'm really enjoying... Wow, that sounds awful. I'm invested in this story that I'm following at the moment for... The story I want to tell about what's happening in New Guinea. It's okay to find a horrible thing that's happened interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't say, I almost said I was enjoying it though. No. I mean, I wouldn't say that. That was a bad choice of words, but like, uh, yeah. There's a reason why people love true crime and it's not because they think murder's good. I know. (laughs) Definitely okay to find things that are disturbing to be interesting. I just feel generally saying, oh, I'm enjoying this story is not the right choice of words there. I've actually been sitting on one about a Western Australian man who got kidnapped and then hit by a truck. I've got a lot of terrible stories bookmarked, but every week I feel like now's not the time. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I have a lot of... I I think the reason is because, like, the terrible stories have a lot of details and they're usually pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, But, like, I don't want to do... I don't want to do that to you guys every week. (laughs) So try and, like, mix it up a bit. In fact, the only stories I currently have bookmarked still that I haven't told and have been sitting on... They're all about a murder of some kind or another, except for mm. one, which is about someone who grew up in a cult. I mean, I, I'm excited for that. I love those kind of stories. Plenty of Australian cults that we could cover. <laughs> I mean, we've already covered Japanese cults. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, um, what's that really well-known one in Australia? Is it the family? Ugh, that just sounds sinister. I feel like it's probably not as sinister as you were thinking. I mean, it's basically like a woman who stole a bunch of children. But anyway, <laughs> if it's the one I'm thinking of, I might be getting them mixed up. But, I mean, there's plenty of those. <laughs> I am being demanded to go feed a cat. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm sorry. I kind of rambled then. But, I mean, I guess the overall message is that, like, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, like, I, I really appreciate that people do listen every week, and it's kind of more than I expected. So, thank you. Yeah, concur. So, uh... <laughs> please keep sharing. Tell more friends. <laughs> yeah, please. We're really bad at marketing. I can't tell people to listen to this podcast for some reason. So, if you enjoy it, tell a friend. Yeah. It, it really I helps us out. We appreciate it. I posted it to my Facebook this week but then i didn't it's it's kind of hard like i would never tell like family Mm. you don't have family on facebook though yeah so um yeah thanks for listening again this week and we'll be back at the same time next week is that how you say goodbye to people pixie you hungry i think that's it that that is it i was waiting for you to say goodbye goodbye (laughs) goodbye